Welcome to Medicare Advantage for Health Plans podcast. Insider insights and perspectives to increase profitability and impact the health of the members you serve. This program is sponsored by Advantisure, services and technology solutions for government-sponsored health plans. Hi, everyone. This is Episode 2, Next Generation Care Technology. I'm excited to welcome Dr. Chris Johnson to the show. Dr. Chris Johnson designs and implements health management solutions for government-sponsored health plans. Building on his academic training in medicine, public health, and medical informatics, he has pioneered new workflow methods for health management technologies. He co-founded Performance Clinical Systems to develop what is now Advantisher's health management platform. He currently leads a growing team to continue innovating solutions for health payers and provider networks. Welcome, Dr. Chris. Thank you. Glad to be here. You're a physician, so you have unique insight into the provider side of health management. And now, as a technology platform director and advisor for health plans in the government-sponsored health plan space, what do you see as a forefront problem in care management today? Well, let's start by giving a historical overview. So care management began as case management. And in case management, we have a large member population in a health plan, and we know that every year, a small percentage of these people are going to be high risk and high cost. And our aim is to help them manage their health risk better. So for example, take a complex patient who already has multiple health conditions. Case management, historically, would try to help manage those multiple medications, the multiple doctors, and reduce the fall risk in the home, let's say, so they don't fall, break a hip, and the potential result in having pneumonia from being in the hospital. So this is historically where it all began, with case management focused on a small percentage of the population where you could intervene and help members avoid further catastrophic events or manage them once it already occurred. Now, over time, case management has evolved into care management as we in the industry started asking, how can we help not just that few percent that are already high cost and high risk, but rather, how can we begin to influence the broader member population to help them have healthier lives, help avoid costs, and avoid that associated suffering? If I can help uh, avoid a member getting high blood pressure that eventually leads to a stroke, that's good for the member and their family, but it's also good stewardship of limited healthcare resources in our system. So that's where we're going as an industry, is towards care management evolving from case management. Now, the challenge is, As you move into looking at that larger population beyond that small percent, the signal in the data is getting weaker and weaker, right? Case management often starts with those we already know are already high cost or suffering catastrophic events. You have claims data. You've already already got these events happened uh, and, and now you have the high costs or you have a referral from an MD requesting help for an extremely sick and complex patient, right? So that's strong data. Right? That's where you're starting from case management. When you go into care management, you need to move beyond those traditional data points. And to do that, you need better and better data. You need to be able to identify in that broader population who's likely to have an event in the future, right? Not just historical with claims data. How do I have better data to look at who's likely to be going in the wrong direction? Whose healthcare trajectory is going downwards? How do I intervene early, right? So case management was a a reactive model. 
but care management is increasingly proactive. And the only way to do it is to be able to identify and manage members by leveraging data, new sources of data, analytics, develop predictive modeling. And so then we can point our teams, our nurses, our pharmacists, our social workers to those members before they get sick, before that catastrophic event happens. And that's where we're all going, but you can only get there with strong technology support. It's such a simple concept of reaching people early on. We all know the extraordinary costs associated with preventable illness or something as simple as medication adherence. This proactive shift in healthcare, it can really do a lot of things for a lot of great things for healthcare costs and improving the quality of members' lives. Let's talk real world examples. How are today's care management teams working together as an integrated unit, and how is technology aiding this effort? Well, historically, nurses were the care managers, and they still are today as now care managers. Now, as mentioned before, they were reliant on claims data to find the people to go and help. But that claims data often arrived into their hands months later. So for example, they might notice a member has three or four ED visits in the past few months. So they reach out to that member with good intentions to connect them with a primary care doctor, help them build a relationship. But that was you know, three or four months ago. It was historical data. And by that point, oftentimes that, that moment had passed to really intervene in a meaningful way in that person's life. Now we're moving towards care management, right? Using real-time data updates. So for example, you can pull in now from health information exchanges, HIEs, you can pull in near real-time updates so that the health plan knows that the minute a member hits the ED or is discharged from the hospital. Now we can intervene with them while they're, while they're still in the hospital, scared and motivated to take action. That's a lot more compelling than waiting for the claims data three months later. That's the power of real-time data. Another valuable source of new data streams, right? So we're talking again, how, what, are the, what are the examples of new data, right, that go beyond the traditional claims data or the referral from the doc, right? So HIEs. But another source of, of new data is coming from EMRs, electronic medical records. EMRs often capture social determinants of health, clinical lab data, other utilization data in much more real time, uh, on a much more real time basis. So care management data uh, teams are much more effective when their interventions can be driven by this kind of, of robust data from an EMR. So for example, a care manager could go in there and say, ah, okay, I see my member was in the ED two days ago. I can see from this EMR data that the, their hemoglobin A1C values are rising and I can see the SDOH, the social determinants of health data, is showing me this member's having a difficult time getting transportation. It's hard for them to get to their doctor clinic. Now that case manager has a much better sense of what they can do to intervene. They can help that member get some public transportation vouchers they can get to their doctor. They can get their, their member plugged into the right kind of clinic, say an endocrinologist to help them with the rising A1C. You know, at the end of the day, that member now is, is much better plugged into the system their A1C is better managed. The patient now has regular transportation access. We've avoided future costs for that, that patient through visits and ED visits. And most importantly, that care manager has been able to really impact that member's life in a positive way. So that's, that's one example of where today's care management teams are able to use new sources of data to drive a much, much better care management interaction. Another path we're pursuing is how do you unify 
provider teams and health plan teams so that everyone is working together. So classically, that care manager had claims data and they were operating a silo. They would call the member and say, I'm here to help. <laughs> the member would say, well, I, I just talked to you guys yesterday, right? And then the, the, the care manager would say, oh, yeah, I didn't know. That's not a, not a confidence builder for that member. So now the mission is to really bring those, those data streams together across providers and the health plan and ensure that everyone has a shared view of the member so you can provide the best care and the best member experience possible. How do you do that? Well, you have to have a system that integrates care management, utilization management, risk analytics, care gaps, and social determinants of health into one system. So it's all happening in the same place. As an example, if a care manager now is integrated with UM, utilization management in the same system, then when there's a UM event, like a wheelchair is being requested from the provider, the care manager knows that immediately. They weren't involved in that per se, that came from a provider authorization request. But now when that care manager calls that member, they can say, hey, I can see your wheelchair is on the way. The member feels reassured because now they know everyone's operating on the, off, the, off the same page. So three points here to make and, and, and areas we're continually improving on. One, how do you bring in more data from the outside, right? Moving beyond traditional claims data and physician referrals, now integrating clinical data, lab data, social determinants of health, real-time HIE data, right? Second, how can we use that analytics, uh, do analytics on that data to predict who's gonna have challenges? And then finally, that the third piece we've talked about is how do you fuse that data and ensure that the different members of the team, the nurses, the pharmacists, the UM staff, the medical directors, everyone has a common view. At the end of the day, you need all that different technology support, right? To ensure that you're providing members with a better experience. Let's talk more about analytics. That's a big area right now. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's also a topic that's not well-defined right now. So people say, quote, we've got analytics or we're adding analytics, right? And that's great. But it's like saying the secret to being wealthy is to buy low and sell high. I mean, that's true, but it's not particularly helpful. The devil's in the details. When someone says analytics of the future, that's great, but, but how? How are you gonna use analytics? Which analytics? Which business problems are you gonna solve with those analytics? That's where the real difference is made, right? For example, how do you identify rising risk? And then what are you gonna do about it? What's the right intervention? I'm an internist originally, uh, and I was trained that diagnosis and treatment are two different steps. First, diagnosis, you get all the data, you do the history, get the labs, make your diagnosis, stop. Separately, treatment. Now, given those diagnoses from the first step, how are we gonna, as a medical team, treat this patient? What are those steps? That's a very sharp distinction in how I was trained and, and other physicians are trained. And I think a lot of that holds true as well for how we want to think about analytics. I mean, it's, it's an open and exciting frontier. You have a phenomenal analytics now in the industry that can do all those first steps, the diagnosis step. You know, we're seeing a lot of, of, of really innovative work being done around pulling in these different data sources we're talking about. Clinical lab data, social determinants of health, right? Real-time utilization data, 
all, all these non-traditional data sources. Now you've got machine learning AI models that can do predictive analytics on all that data and identify very, very faint signals in the data. And that's great, but it's still the diagnosis step, that first step we talked about. When I'm looking at it, I think the exciting opportunities are really now in the treatment step, that second step. So all this data comes in, you have your, anal your data streams, your analytical models that tell me who I should go after and what problem, but now what do I do about it? What's the most effective intervention? Who's going to be the most effective care manager to do that intervention? No one's doing this yet, but this is where the industry is going. Analytics on the diagnosis side and analytics on the treatment side. That's really exciting. Can you illustrate how this looks in a practical setting? Sure. So let's say I have phenomenal analytics on the diagnosis side for care management, and I'm bringing in all these different data streams. I've got my machine learning AI models. I've got phenomenally predictive algorithm scores that tell me exactly who to go after in my member population. So assume all of that. Now there's this huge open area where I can also do analytics on the characteristics of my nurses, my care managers. Who's going to have the greatest rapport with one patient versus another? Within my care manager pool, how can I find the right characteristics to match a patient with the care manager so they click? And they have that rapport that's so critical to, to healthcare. So now I've got excellent diagnostics that tell me who to go after. My analytics on my treatment side tell me, hey, Bob's the right care manager to go talk to this person because they're going to click. And now I can determine if it's best to start a care plan at this point, if it's best to refer them to a particular community. I can look at the characteristics of that member and I can say, hey, if they're maybe an extrovert, right? Maybe they might do better in a support group where they can talk to others and share in a, a live face-to-face -face community. But if they're more of an introvert like me, hey, maybe it's better to give them reading materials and they can go study about their diabetics on, diabetes on their own, right? And be able to have that quiet time to digest it and really think about it and get their questions ready. So these are all examples of this huge open area for us to move into where you have truly individualized healthcare fueled not just by analytics on that diagnosis side, but analytics also on how you treat on the treatment side. That is fascinating. You cannot find that on Google. So building on this concept of actionable analytics, in your mind, what does the ideal care management dashboard look like for frontline workers? And then how does that differ from dashboards for the managers and directors of care management programs? So I think a frontline healthcare uh, worker, clinician, nurse, et cetera, who's working with this person is going to need to know two things. First, what's the most pressing health problem for this person objectively from the data? And two, what's the most pressing perceived health problem from that person's point of view? They're not always the same thing. So if I'm going in and talking to somebody, that way I can know all the data Here's the key things we want to work with them on. I have all the information, the background, but I also have information from self-report, from questionnaires that the member responded to, social media posts perhaps, right? With appropriate privacy guidelines, but insights into what is that member's perception of what's most bothering them. So, so for example, I might say from a quote unquote objective standpoint, from the, 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 the raw data, that the blood pressure is the highest priority to address from a physiological standpoint. But 
a really good dashboard is also going to be able to tell me that they're terrified of falling and breaking a hip because they saw that happen to their mother, right? And we need to be able to address that in tandem because that's what they're most motivated by. So that would be an ideal person-to-person care management dashboard, both what we know from the data objectively as well as subjectively. What is that person most, most afraid of, most motivated by? Now, in addition, you have to look at dashboards that are different for, say, managers and directors of a care management program versus the individual care managers. So for a manager or director, that dashboard is going to be answering key questions. Within this population, what are the major disease categories? Who's poorly managed within that disease category, right? And who has a health burden that's impactable, right? Impactability is a key variable that is, again, another open frontier for us that really has been poorly addressed to date because oftentimes the technology and the data wasn't there yet, right? It's no critique of those who've come before. It's just that we're now at a place we can actually begin to do this. So with impactability for that director, that, that uh, manager of a care management program, you can now really look into that what, what knowing who has a condition versus who has a health condition that's being poorly managed and then who has a condition that's poorly managed and is impactful. That's the key. So for those who are already receiving great care, right, they, they, then that's great. Let their care teams take the lead, right? Let them continue that great relationship with their provider, right? But for those who have those that are poorly managed and, and not impactable, right, well, maybe those are the folks that will never pick up the phone. They'll hit unsubscribe. They're not going to take your calls, right? So those that's another category of folks that maybe go lower priority on your list of who to go after, right? It's still important to try to help them, but we have limited resources. So what you want in that dashboard for a director, right, is who is has a health problem, is poorly managed, and is impactable. You put those together, and now that's my ideal dashboard for me as a director because now I can see across my members and go after the biggest bang for the buck, go after them first. It sounds like a very well-rounded approach to care management. It takes psychology, patient perception research, and motivational markers, and integrates it into the physiological and claims data sources. That's really incredible. Yeah, it's it's actually, it's a well-researched and well-understood area uh, using something like, for example, the patient activation measure, PAM, right? It's a survey that captures in a quantifiable score how well a person understands their condition and how ready a person is to be helped. Right now we depend on the survey, but to the degree that we could get this information from data, right, a pseudo PAM, if you will, if we get that data organically, we could begin to be really proactive, even if a member never fills out a survey. So is this survey being used like this today or is this a vision for the future? Well, even though the PAM's been around for a while, I don't think it's being used in this way yet as a proactive way to identify those members that are impactable. But it's good stewardship for resources and it's good for the member. And that's where the PAM comes in handy. If you're gonna help people avoid outcomes, you wanna know they're engaged, they're ready, and they want to be helped. Earlier, you mentioned gathering this data in the absence of the survey. How can you do this? Well, it's, it's really an open frontier. Yeah, hopefully that's one of the themes that comes through here, right? There's a number of open frontiers that are just now opening up to us because the technology is finally there. So one way you can look at this is through NLP, natural language processing. 
so you can look through clinical notes and extract key phrases now. Now, clinicians have always done this manually. You know, we'll search through discharge notes and, and look for key phrases, but AI and new technologies are enabling us to begin to automate some of this. So we can feed, say, a discharge summary and then, or other notes from an EMR or other data sources. You can look for key phrases using NLP that might indicate that patient's looking for help. Or if the patient is worried about what if this happens again, these are phrases you could pull out and feed that algorithm. Another source, social media. And there's a lot of work happening here. It's where people live these days. Now, people are reaching out and they're looking for answers online. As I mentioned earlier, you want to be sensitive to privacy, and that's a balance we're going to need to find as, as we go forwards. But there is data there that can be pulled that indicates a person's looking for information online about their health conditions, indicating they're impactable. Right? And that goes back to what we talked about earlier, right? That distinction between what might be the objective picture of that person's health from the data versus what is that person most worried about, most concerned about, most motivated about, right? Now with these kinds of tools like NLP, we can begin to have more insight into that in, in, in a broad population way. And these are resources that didn't exist five years ago. So it sounds like the dream is to have all of the data integrated where the health plan is feeding the data, providers are feeding the data, and members are driving data into the health management platform so it's one unified repository. Spot on. That's, that's exactly where we hope to go. Well, Dr. Chris Johnson, thank you for joining us. I know the listeners appreciate all of the insight and vision that you bring to the industry. Thank you to our listeners and our sponsor, Advantashore. Head on over to Advantashore.com for more thought leadership on health management. Advantashore is on LinkedIn. Follow the page, like the episode, and share it with your colleagues. Thank you so much for listening. This program was brought to you by Advantisure. From health management, member engagement, billing and claims, to risk adjustment and quality, Advantisure has a full suite of services and technology solutions for government-sponsored health plans.